if you happen to be visiting here, welcome to Connect Church. It's great to see you. My name's Dave. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm thrilled that you've come to join us. Uh, if it's your first time here, welcome. Uh, if you've been here a few times, I hope you're uh, feeling connected. Uh, we are Connect Church, so it is our desire that not only will you connect in a relationship with Jesus, but feel connected to one another here this morning. Um, so we're in this series right now, and uh, before I get into what I want to speak on this morning, um, I wonder, it's the middle of the summer, maybe some of you have a vacation still to take, maybe you've already been on a vacation as a family, maybe you left the kids behind and you just went on a vacation, and that was awesome. Um, my wife and I, we actually got to travel to California with our family last month. We had a fantastic time. Uh, we hadn't been as a family, Casey and I had been, um, but we've never been with the whole family. Family, so we got to do and see a lot while we were there, and uh, the kids had a great time, and everyone got to do something that they enjoyed doing from the ocean to uh, Hollywood and San Francisco, and then we actually got to go to Disneyland, which for me was a huge highlight of the trip, because when I was 11 years old, so we're talking like 10, 15 years ago, when I was 11 years old, I came to America with my family from England, and we went to Disneyland, and I had a fantastic time, and I enjoyed it so much, and now I got to go through Disneyland again with my kids. My daughter was nine years old, so I was kind of seeing some of these things happen through her eyes and remembering, and we wrote It's a Small World, and it's still the same awful song, just playing constantly on the whole ride, but it's, it was the exact same ride as when I was a kid, so I'm going through with Emma, and she's looking all around, and it's just, it was just so fun going through as a family. Now, we actually went on June 23rd, okay? Now, I know it was June 23rd, because on June 22nd, I read a few newspaper articles and reports about something very significant that happened at Disneyland. So when I was there on June 23rd, I'm not 100% sure because I didn't see him, but I am pretty sure that this gentleman here, his name is Jeff Wrights, I think he was probably somewhere in the park that day. And here's why I'm pretty convinced that he was in the park somewhere on that day on June 23rd. Because on June 22nd, according to the news reports and the, the, the articles I was reading, Jeff Wrights um, entered Disneyland for his 2,000th consecutive day. 2,000 consecutive visits to Disneyland. Now, for those of you who are kind of maybe not quick on the math here, that's five years, Okay. <laughs> For five years, Jeff here has been to Disneyland every single day. You can Google him. It's quite a fascinating story. Uh, he, he was out of work, and he was just kind of a little bit depressed, and he decided to go for a trip to the park one day, and he found it really cheered him up. So he went again and again, and then he bought a season pass, and that entire year while he was without a job, he went every day, and he just loved it. He said it really kind of lifted his spirits. And then he got a job, and he thought, but I still enjoy it. So he would finish work in the late afternoon, and he'd go in the evening. And for 2,000 days in a row, Jeff has been to Disneyland. I'd say that's a pretty loyal customer of Disney. My guess is that Jeff gets whatever he wants. If Jeff wants a picture with Moana, Jeff's getting a picture with Moana. If Jeff wants to be Moana, I think they'll give Jeff a wig. Jeff, you are Moana. I mean, talk about loyalty. He must get some special treatment there at Disneyland. So like I say, I didn't get to see him, but my guess is he probably was there. And I want to talk about that subject this morning of loyalty. I want to talk about the idea of loyalty because we're wrapping up a series this morning that we've been in for the last few weeks called The Forgotten Virtues. 
We've talked about the idea that there are some virtues that sadly, even though we feel they're very important in the culture in which we live, maybe the society we find ourselves, maybe they don't have the importance that they once had. We talked about integrity. We've talked about honor. We've talked about gratitude. And, and this morning, I want to wrap up with the idea of loyalty. And you may think this morning, wow, I, I, I'm not sure I've, I've heard loyalty spoken about much in a church before. I'm not sure this is something I've heard taught on. And that may be true. But I think that it's very important. In fact, as I was studying and preparing for this message, I came across a resource that's called the Dictionary of Bible Themes. And, and listen to how the Dictionary of Bible Themes defines loyalty. It says that loyalty is a commitment to an ongoing relationship and to the attitude and behavior demanded by it. It is evident in human relationships and also in the covenant relationship between God and his people. So according to the dictionary of Bible themes, loyalty is pretty significant. It's pretty important. There was another guy that lived many thousand years ago and is credited as being one of the wisest people ever to have lived. His name was Solomon. Solomon writes some great um, letters and um, some, some books in the Old Testament, one of which is a collection of proverbs, these, these, these small statements these, that's just full of wisdom. Listen to what Solomon has to say on the subject of loyalty in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3 through 4. He says, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. Solomon's saying here, listen, when it comes to loyalty, this is, this is part of your reputation. This can affect the way that you are perceived by God and by people. That's how important it is for loyalty and kindness to be within you. In fact, let me do a little experiment here this morning just on the subject of loyalty. So I'm going to ask for some help here. So if you think that loyalty is, is something that is important, and maybe you think that um, the culture in which we live right now, there's a lot of examples of, of disloyalty. Maybe it's where you work. Maybe it's amongst some friendships or relationships that you have. But if you've seen some evidence of disloyalty in your life, if you've been disappointed by a lack of loyalty, just, um, I don't want to embarrass you, but just raise your hands here a second so I can kind of get an idea of how many of you have been impacted. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of hands going up here that have been affected by disloyalty. Okay, let me ask you another question. So I want to ask this question. How many of you this morning would say that you strive to be, I'm not saying you're perfect, but you would say, I'm a, I'm a loyal person. That's something that's important to me. Let's, let's see some hands there. Any? All right. It's about the same number of hands, which is quite interesting because what that tells me is that there's a lot of people that think disloyalty is a problem, but there's also a lot of people that are very loyal. So one of two things that's happening here, either all that problem's outside and we figured it out, we're, we're all good in here, which, which I have no problem believing because you're amazing people, all of you, or possibly sometimes we're not aware of how disloyalty can present itself. Maybe the, the problem we have is that disloyalty is actually sometimes very difficult to see in the mirror. So we're going to do a little checkup this morning and see where we are in our level of loyalty. We're going to look at some relationships in our lives and, and see how we are. Because sometimes disloyalty can be very difficult to see in the mirror. So Casey and I will be celebrating uh, next year, February of 2018, will be our 20-year wedding anniversary. We'll have been married 20 years. Yeah, woo -hoo, go. 
20 fantastic years. And Casey would say 16 fantastic years. No, no, she would. She'd say 20 fantastic years too. Um, so before we were married, I used to run, and actually while we were married too, but before we were married, I used to run a, a program called Ace Teams. It was a one-year-at-a-time uh, program for kids who were out of high school and before they went on to college to just learn some ministry experience, to work with some churches. We would train them, and then we'd send them out as teams, and they'd work in different churches around the country. And... Um, Casey was actually a student on that program. So that's actually how we met. She was a student on that program. So she took a year out after high school, and her and a team of four or five other students, they kind of spent some time training, and then they traveled from church to church. They were all over the state of Illinois, all over the country, working with these different churches. Well, one of the locations she found herself at for a month was in East St. Louis. Yeah, challenging environment. There was a church that we partnered with down there that was um, really working hard to build some relationships in the community and reach out to that very needy area. So obviously it was a very unique environment. It wasn't anything like she was used to growing up. So here she finds herself at this church in East St. Louis. And one day the pastor says, okay, I've got an idea. Uh, we've got this event coming up and we want to tell everyone in the neighborhood about it. So I'm going to send you out in groups, in pairs, and you're going to go door to door in neighborhoods inviting people to this service. So she's like, awesome. This is just the kind of neighborhood where I want to go door to door inviting people to services. So fortunately... Rather than go out by herself, she went out with Sean, who was a member of the team. Sean was a bigger guy, so she felt a little bit safer. And her and Sean, they went from house to house and knocked on doors, said, hey, we're with this church. We'd like to tell you about this event that's coming up. We'd love it if you could join us. And this went on for a while, and they arrived at one house. It was kind of a little bit of a rundown house. And uh, she said already it was kind of like a little bit scary looking, but they kind of went through the gate and walked up towards the porch. And as they got towards the porch, they could hear some noise around the side of the house. And she says, suddenly, as we were going to go up the steps of the porch, we looked and we could see this dog come running out from underneath the side of the house. Now, when she tells me this story, okay, I picture the dog looking something like this, okay? That's what I picture. She's like, no, no, let me tell you, this is what the dog looked like, okay? So somewhere between those two dogs is what came running around the corner, at which point her and Sean are like, okay, we're not knocking on this door. They both turn around and start moving quickly towards the gate. Casey's a little ahead of Sean. Uh, they're nervous, but they're not too nervous because the dog is on a chain. So he's running, the chain's extending, he's barking, he's growling. Well, the chain gets to full length and snaps. Yeah. So at that point, everything changes. <laughs> Now this dog that looks more like the dog on the one side than the dog on the other is loose and running towards them. So fortunately, Sean, being the loyal, uh, strong friend that he was, he was very quick thinking. He grabbed Casey. He pushed her to the side, kind of used her as leverage to get some momentum and ran for the gate. So I'm asking Casey last night, I told her I was going to tell this story. She said, well, tell me the story you're going to tell. I'll tell her. She's like, okay. She goes, but let me get it right. Okay. He didn't just push me. I mean, he, I was on the ground. He pushed me to the ground. I was like, you're kidding. She's like, no. He was like so scared that he just instinctively grabbed. I was like, well, how did you get up and get out there? She goes, I still don't know. She goes, I don't know. I just know that somehow I got out before the dog could get me. Because in that moment, something clicked inside Sean's head, and he thought, I don't have to run faster than that dog. I just have to run faster than Casey. And he's like, that's my way out. Now, I have a feeling if I sat down with Sean prior to this event and talked on the subject of loyalty, he'd be like, oh, yes, I'm loyal. 
I love my team members. I'm committed. We're, we're a tight-knit group. There's a lot of loyalty. I would do anything to, to protect my friends. My, I think he really was committed to loyalty, but sometimes disloyalty is very difficult to see in the mirror. It takes a dog on a chain to reveal the true nature of our loyalty. You know, as funny as that story sounds, we can all think of a story maybe that happened a couple of thousand years ago in the life of Jesus. Jesus had 12 disciples, 12 young men who followed him and who were very loyal to Jesus and who he was very loyal to in turn. Very strong, committed relationships. And of all of those 12, there was a few that were even more close to Jesus, even more loyal. One of them, his name was Peter. If you're familiar with the story, Peter was just committed to Jesus. He says, Jesus, no matter what, I will always stand by your side. So imagine Peter's shock and horror when one day, according to Matthew, one of the guys who, who tells us the story of the life of Jesus, Matthew tells us what happened between this exchange between Peter and Jesus. Peter, again, is declaring his loyalty to Jesus here in Matthew 26, verses 33 through 35. He says, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. I am loyal to the core. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. In fact, all the other disciples vowed the same. And if you know the rest of the story, you'll know the, the tragic turn that it took. That shortly after that, Jesus was arrested, taken away. A trial began, and, and in those moments... The disciples were kind of cowering away, looking on, and, and we hear that someone came up to Peter and said, hey, I think I recognize you. Aren't you one of his followers? No, 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 not me. And then a second person, you're one of the disciples. No, you're muddling me up with someone else. It wasn't me. Then a third person asks, aren't you a friend of Jesus? Absolutely not. And we know that at that moment, the rooster crowed, and deep down in his heart, the realization sunk in that despite his commitment to loyalty, Peter had just been disloyal to probably the person who had shown the most loyalty to him in his whole life. In fact, listen to how Peter responded. Matthew says in verse 75 that he went away weeping bitterly. Here's what we need to understand from, from Peter, from the story of Sean and Casey, that true loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. True loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. It can be very easy, like Peter, to say, I will never desert you. I think it's very easy for all of us to raise our hands and say, yes, I am a loyal person. But the truth is that true loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. So what are some ways this morning that we can prove our loyalty, that we can say, I'm not going to just proclaim this, I'm going to prove this. I thought of a couple of ways that probably are, are common to pretty much every one of us here this morning. Ways that we can prove our loyalty. The first way is in our marriages. It's in our marriages. Of all the relationships we have in our lives, 
physical relationships with people around us. If you're um, here this morning and you're married, that's probably the most important relationship that you find yourself in. So really, that should be our number one priority when it comes to loyalty, is I'm going to remain loyal and faithful to my spouse. God has a lot to say on this subject. In the Old Testament, there was a prophet by the name of Malachi. So if you read this, this book of Malachi, this, this, this letter that Malachi wrote, it was a letter to the Israelites because at that time they were turning their back on God. They were living very unfaithful lives. They were turning their back on the God who delivered them. And, and God wanted to challenge the Israelites. He wants to rebuke them. So he spoke to them through this prophet named Malachi. And as you read Malachi, it's a big challenge on, on where they've gone wrong. And, and in one particular area of faithfulness, Malachi addresses the idea of marriage. He says here in Malachi chapter 3, verses 15 through 16, Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart, here's that word, remain loyal to the wife of your youth, for I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. Listen, I realize when I read that verse that was written thousands of years ago that for some here this morning, that's a challenge to hear because maybe you're here this morning and at some point in your life, you've been through a divorce. And maybe when you hear that phrase there where it says, I hate divorce, the Lord says, that that kind of challenges you. Maybe it makes you even feel a little bit guilty here this morning. But let me tell you something about the nature of God. I believe that God is a God of love, and grace, and forgiveness. And there's nothing we can do about things in our life. Every one of us have done things and have been through things in our past that if we could go back, we would probably do differently. And some of us this morning live with regrets, maybe even a little bit of guilt and sorrow over some of those things that happened in our past. And as much as I believe that there is a God who loves us, I believe that there is an enemy of God who hates us and who wants to devastate and ruin our lives and works very hard at pointing out the errors and the mistakes of our past and rubbing our noses in it and not letting us let go of it and and reminding us constantly about it. But I want to tell you this morning that God is not that voice. God is not that voice of condemnation this morning. God is the voice of love and forgiveness and, and he wants to wipe away the mess of your past. And if you're here this morning, you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. You've never stepped into a relationship with him. That's one of the most wonderful things about a relationship with Jesus is he literally wants to to free you of the past, to wipe away, the Bible calls it, the sins, the, the mistakes of our past. And what that means is this morning, every one of us, as we read that verse, we can read it today looking forwards. So now we can read this not as a a challenge or a condemnation, but we can read it as something that inspires us on how we're going to go forwards. So if you're here this morning and you're married, you can read that and say, you know what? I'm going to make it a goal of mine to guard my heart. I am going to make it a goal of mine from this day forward to remain loyal to my wife. That is a goal I'm going to make today. That's what loyalty looks like, proven, not just proclaimed. To make that goal to say, I choose to remain loyal to my spouse. Now, the truth is, I could speak so long on this subject this morning. I could, we could do a whole series, and we have done in the past, just on marriage and relationships. 
But let me just throw out this one thought on, on, on relationships, on marriage, when it comes to loyalty. Because here's how I see sometimes that um, we get caught up in the, the, the lies and the traps that the, the enemy sends our way. You see, I'm actually doing a lot of weddings this year. I'm not sure why I feel like I'm doing more this year than I've done in years gone by. Uh, I know several of the people I'm marrying are, are friends of mine. It just so happens they've arrived at that point in their lives where they found a person they want to marry and they get married. Other people I know, but I don't know that well. And I just seem to be doing a lot of these weddings. I think some of it is just people like think, I want Dave Jane to marry me because I want my wedding to be like the princess bride. I want some British guy out there who's going to say, Mowich, <laughs> and that's why I'm marrying them. <laughs> But every single couple, every one of them, however I know them, whatever the context, we always meet. This is a stipulation I have if I'm going to do a wedding. We always meet ahead of time. Some of it's to talk through the logistics of the, the wedding itself, but some of it's to talk about the complexities of marriage and what it's going to take to, to make for a good, long-standing relationship and a good marriage because marriage takes work. And I was thinking about this as I was preparing this message because of all the couples I've met with to prepare their wedding coming up in this summer and the fall, I haven't had one yet who's come to me and said, yeah, we're really kind of hoping things work out. You know, knock on wood. We're in for a good five, maybe 10 years. None of them are telling me that. They're all saying, oh yeah, we want to be together forever. I want to remain loyal to this man right here. I want to remain loyal to this woman right here. We want to stay committed to one another. Every couple has that intention. So if that's the case, why is it that sometimes marriages fall apart? Why is it that sometimes disloyalty happens in a marriage? I think it's because sometimes disloyalty is very difficult to see in the mirror. Disloyalty is very difficult to see in the mirror. I've met some uh, wonderful couples whose relationships have fallen apart, and maybe there was some infidelity or an affair, and I've never met someone who said, yeah, well, I just don't know how it happened. I was working with this person, and we were just talking about spreadsheets, and then suddenly, we were in a hotel room together. Suddenly, we've begun this affair. It just doesn't happen like that. But what I have heard is, well, where there's this person at work, and, you know, we just got on really well, and... You know, we'd laugh and joke and we'd talk about this stuff. And, you know, every now and again, we'd go out for a coffee or a lunch together. And it was nothing, you know, nothing weird. We were just, you know, working together and we were just talking. And, you know, and then sometimes we would get talking about, you know, deeper stuff and relationships. And this person just really got me. They really understood me and they were able to, you know, connect with me. And, and sometimes I found like they were easier to talk to than my spouse. And, and what I hear when I hear these conversations happening is that no one ever took a massive step in the wrong direction, but I hear a lot of people who took little steps that in and of themselves weren't wrong, but they were just another little step in the wrong direction. And suddenly, they found themselves across this line and felt like that's when they became disloyal. But the truth is, and I want to challenge us on this this morning, that disloyalty can happen every step of the way. In fact, I think true loyalty in a commitment to your spouse is saying, even if I can justify this step, I'm still not going to do it because I want to remain loyal to my wife. So I'm going to stay as far away from the edge as possible. I'm not going to get as close to the edge without going over. I'm going to just stay way away from the edge. That's what loyalty drives me to do. And it's not just in marriage, is it? If you think about it, when it comes to loyalty, all of our relationships, 
You may have friendships this morning, friendships that you desire to see more loyalty in. You may have friendships that you really feel like, now I need to be more loyal in this particular relationship. Solomon, that wise guy I was telling you about earlier, he, uh, he also spoke about this in another part of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6. He, listen to what he said. He said, many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? Many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? Solomon is saying here that, um, I, you know, he's, he's saying wisdom says that you should be looking for people in your life who aren't just saying they're loyal friends, but who are truly reliable people. Because loyalty is proven, not proclaimed. And I feel like that's a great challenge for all of us here this morning. But if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, I feel like it's kind of a requirement. If we are going to proclaim Jesus as the Lord of our life, then we can't just talk the talk. We've got to walk the walk when it comes to our friendship and our commitment to others. Let me give you a great example of this. This comes from sports history. Some of you will be very familiar with this particular story. Maybe you've heard of these, these baseball players. There was one by the name of Pee Wee Reese and another by the name of Jackie Robinson. The pair of them played together for the Brooklyn Dodgers. And if you're familiar with the story, you'll know that um, the very significant part of this relationship is that Pee Wee Reese was a white baseball player, but Jackie Robinson was an African-American, a black baseball player. And he's playing baseball on a major league uh, team in a time when segregation is still very strong across America. So you can imagine the, the abuse and the, the ridicule that he came as here. And he was a great baseball player. But he would walk out onto that field to booze and, and horrible things being shouted out to him. All sorts of fans, it said, wrote death threats, horrible things, simply because of the color of his skin. And when Brooklyn was playing in, in Cincinnati, Jackie Robinson was playing that day. And his friend, Pee Wee Reese, he was playing also. He was shortstop. And the crowd at that time, they were booing and, and shouting out. And something very significant happened. And you can read this story from Jackie Robinson's perspective. And it's an awesome account that he gives of what happened in that game that day. But just recently, a movie came out on the life of Jackie Robinson. It was called 42, because that's the number he uh, wore on his shirt. And that scene plays out in that movie. So check out this scene to see what happened that day. Cincinnati fans expressing their displeasure as the Dodgers take the field. Nick Robinson at first, Brad Eddy, Snacky at second, Buddy Jorgensen at third, and the captain, Peter Reese, at short. Fans ask any man and they'll tell you the Gillette Super Speed Razor is our honey. Maybe the sweetest shaving razor you will ever use. Look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp, be sharp. They can say all they want. We're just here to play ball. All we got is right here. Right now, you know what I mean? Thank you, Jack. What are you thanking me for? I got family out there from Louisville. I need them to know. I need them to know who I am. 
Playing ball, huh? Playing ball. Maybe tomorrow we'll all wear 42. That way they won't tell us apart. before the movie, that was a very significant event at the time, very significant in the life of Jackie Robinson, very significant in the sports world as a whole, very significant in the culture, so much so that there's a statue made today to signify that very moment. That very moment is captured in this statue. You know, Jackie Robinson later went on to say that that one simple act did more than just save his career. When Pee Wee put his arm around his shoulder, he said it probably saved him in more ways than you could ever know. Just that simple act of a friend putting his arm around a friend's shoulder, a loyal, loyal friend. And here's what I thought about when I watched that clip, when I read this story. It would have been so easy for his friend, Pee Wee Reese, to just get in the locker room afterwards and say, hey, Jackie, I'm sorry that you had to endure all of that noise out there. Those people, God, what are you going to do? You know, and, and that still would have been a, a strong, good friendship to say, man, that was rough, wasn't it? Sorry you had to go through that. But something in that friendship, something in his loyalty wouldn't let him wait till later. He put his own reputation at risk and he walked up to his African-American friend and put his arm around his shoulder in front of all those people, in front of his own family and friends. And I got to thinking, I wonder if that's what loyalty really looks like when it comes to friendship. Not just the secret, hey, I'm with you, bud, but the public arm around the shoulder. Because the truth is, I bet I could go around here this morning and every one of us could talk about relationships in our lives. And the truth is that, like I said earlier, Loyalty is, is easily proclaimed, but is it proven? Because a lot of these friendships, we assume they're friendships, but when is it that we discover the type of friendship they are? It's when we go through tough times, when we go through adversity. I bet I could ask every one of you, and you could share a time in your life where there was a struggle or you are going through a difficult time or, or something was going on, and you would tell me, you know, in that time, I was actually surprised by this person's response. I didn't realize they were that close of a friend. I didn't realize they were that good of a friend. But they came to me, and what they did was, was representative of putting their arm around my shoulder. And I needed that at that time. I needed that comfort, that encouragement, that prayer, that support. They're better friends now than they ever were because they were there for me in that moment. Some of you may talk about the disappointment that you felt for some people that you really considered to be close friends who in the moment weren't there for you. They weren't loyal. They weren't impacting you like you thought they would. And we can't control the way friends behave to us, but you know what? We can control the way we behave in the friendships in our lives. So maybe this is a virtue that we need to strive for more in our lives. To say, I want to be more loyal. I want to be more loyal, not just to my spouse, but to the friendships that I have in my life. I want to be there for those people. I want to stand with an arm around their shoulder and show them the loyalty that a true friend has for another. So those are a couple of areas there, marriage, friendships. And I want to close out with this thought this morning, because I know through this series we've talked about some, some great virtues here, loyalty and gratitude, honor and integrity. 
I don't think these are things that we're born with as natural gifts. Some of us are very good at sports. Some of us are just kind of good at engineering or art, you know. And some of us, we can say, you know what, I just, this was a gift I was born with. But these virtues that we've been talking about, I, I think these are things that we have to work at. These are things that we have to be intentional about. I had a great conversation with a gentleman after church this morning, and he was talking about my message on gratitude last week, and he says, you know, we were going through a difficult situation, and just this week, I really started to be aware of how grateful I am for all that God's done in my life, and I made a conscious effort just when I was praying to really thank him, and he said, we had this thing happen later in the week that was completely unexpected, and it was a miracle. God just really showed up in a really big way. And he said, I, I just was amazed at how I'd started my week out in gratitude. And then God responded. And it just, it, but it didn't, it isn't something that comes naturally, that he had to make that choice. I'm going to choose to be more grateful for the things in my life that I have. We have to work at it. It's the same with loyalty. And some of us can be put, up, put off a little bit because we're like, well, that's hard because this doesn't come naturally to me. And that's hard work. And it is. But I want to leave you with some good news this morning as we close out this series, that it's not something you have to work at alone. This isn't something you have to work at in your own strength alone. If you decide you want to learn a, a foreign language, you could listen to some CDs, you could go to a class. You know, there's lots of ways you can learn a foreign language. But you know the best way you can learn a foreign language? The best way you can learn a foreign language is to go to an area where they speak that language and that's all they speak and immerse yourself in that culture. If you're English and you go to Mexico, you're going to learn Spanish a lot quicker than if you sat in a classroom reading it in a book because suddenly everyone around you is speaking that language. It kind of forces you to learn it quicker and more. Do you know when it comes to loyalty? We could work hard at this in our own strength, or we could immerse ourselves in a relationship with a God who is loyal, a God who shows such loyalty. Listen to how Moses described God in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. He says this, he says, Know this, God, your God, is indeed a God you can depend on. He keeps his covenant of loyal love with those who love him and observe his commandments for a thousand generations. Do you remember the definition we read earlier from the, the Bible-themed dictionary? It said that the word loyalty is a commitment to an ongoing relationship and to the attitude and behavior demanded by it. It is evident in human relationships and also in the covenant relationship between God and his people. It's saying God has this loyal covenant commitment to you. And whether you're a follower of Jesus or not this morning, he has still made this covenant to be loyal and to love you. And you can respond to that. You can say, Jesus, I want you to be a part of my life. I want you in my heart. Because all of these virtues we've talked about, integrity, honor, um, gratitude, loyalty, they're all matters of the heart. And God wants to change your heart. He wants to make your heart more like his heart. If you'll allow him, he wants to change your heart. And these virtues will start to come out more because you, hadn't, you don't work with them in your own strength. You have a God who wants to help you. Help you be loyal to your spouse. Help you to be loyal to your friends because of his loyalty, his covenant relationship to us. 
I've got one more thing I want to do this morning. I'm going to share it here in just a second. It's a, um, a challenge to the loyal members of Connect Church. But let me close out just this portion in the prayer, and then I'll share my, my closing challenge. Father, as we wrap up this series on virtues, and we talk today about loyalty, maybe this is something we haven't thought about before. Maybe it's something we just assumed we are loyal. But help us, Lord, because sometimes disloyalty can be hard to see in the mirror. Sometimes loyalty needs to be proven, not just proclaimed. So maybe, Lord, this week even, we'll have an opportunity to show our loyalty. It could be loyalty in our marriage, making a decision or making a decision not to do something because of our loyalty to our spouse. Maybe it's an opportunity to step up and put an arm around the shoulder of a friend to show our loyalty to them, but also because it's the right thing to do to support them through what they're going through. And help us to realize, Lord, this isn't just um, a good virtue, even though it is. This is something, Lord, that you call us to. So as followers of Jesus, help us to step up to that challenge. In Jesus' name we pray.